Wednesday nights, and I've been talking to the church about is that we are blessed. And when we as a people start to live in a, in a heart of appreciation, suddenly it becomes impossible for us to be negative. You know, when we find ourselves counting our blessings instead of our problems, we suddenly realize how wonderful it is to be blessed. And when we start to appreciate and feel blessed, our attitude will change. And as our attitude changes, then our respect for God increases. And he's glorified when his people are cheerful, when his people are jubilant over being his children because it is such a blessing to be a Christian. Our scripture for today comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Will you pray with me? Dear Lord, we are truly blessed, blessed to live in this nation, blessed to have the opportunity to see the next generation coming up behind us to, to follow and, and improve on what we have already started. And our future looks so bright in the eyes of our young people. And that for our country is a tremendous blessing. And we pray that you'll bless this time, this offering, if you'll take and use it in some way to advance your kingdom. And these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
if I came this morning and I met you all at the door and handed you a piece of paper and said, I'm taking a survey this morning and I need to hear what you think. What is the riskiest thing you can do? What's the riskiest thing you can do? How many of you would have put down, go skydiving with you? Right? Because even if they didn't die from parachute, you'd die from a heart attack, right? That's what, How, what would you put down there? The riskiest thing you can do. What, what is the riskiest thing we can do as people? You know, I began to think about that and ponder about that, and, and that's the reason for today's uh, message. And I want to say to you that one of the riskiest things you do is take too many precautions. How about that? The riskiest thing we do is take too many precautions. We never have enough failures and mistakes because you see those failures and those mistakes are the learning points in our lives that teach us how to do better. You know, Theodore Roosevelt once said something and, and it got copied down and it's been repeated by no telling how many ministers and others throughout the years, but he said, far better is it to dare mighty things and to win glorious triumphs, even though checkered by failure, than to rank with those poor spirits who neither enjoy much nor suffer much because they live in the great twilight that knows not victory nor defeat. <laughs> you know, if you've ever tried and failed, this message is for you. If you've ever made mistakes and learned from them, then this message is for you. And God allows us to make mistakes because it's in our mistakes and his ability to turn those for the good that he proves to us that he's still alive and he's with us. You know, our mistakes, when we look at them, seem like failures and disasters, train wrecks in our lives as we look back. But in reality, when we stop and look back upon them, how many of you like me find that that was just a matter of opinion and that opinion has now changed? Hey, you know, we're not alone. Everyone has gone through that same experience. And the disciples went through that experience. The people of God have gone through those experiences time and time again. How many people do you think believe with all their heart that when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow down, that was not a mistake. Right? Everyone told them, bow down. You're about to get in serious trouble. You know, Nebuchadnezzar is mean. But they stood strong to their faith. Everyone believed they were making a mistake. They were standing out. They were being different. They were standing up for God. And it was going to cost them. And as they heated the furnace seven times hotter than ever, everyone said, oh, I told you, it was a mistake. And as they tied them up and had the strongest soldiers throw them in the fire, everybody says, I told you, that was a mistake. And when they came out and they were untied, unharmed, everyone had a change of opinion. Hey, how many of you think if I'd have took a pole at the cross and I'd took, I'd took Jesus' mother and the disciples and all the people who stood around and I would ask them, hey, is this the greatest day in human history or what? They just said, what? 
How many people at the foot of the cross thought, this is a good thing. This is a great victory. This is the most wonderful thing I have ever seen. How many people thought it was a disaster? How many of them thought this is the end? How many of them thought this is a failure? Jesus' ministry has failed us. Three days later, they had a change of opinion. And let me tell you, your greatest failures and your mistakes, those things you're so afraid of that you think might destroy you, might turn out to be the greatest blessings in your entire life. Let me tell you that the things you call in your life as failures and you believe are mistakes, well, that's just a matter of opinion. And in no time at all, with God's help, he can change your opinion. Hey, I oftentimes defend my faith and my belief in the sovereignty of God with the fact that he can take my mistakes and turn them into great victories. You see, from time to time, Pastors have to defend their faith. In their own lives and the lives of other people, we have to stand up and say, God is good. In the middle of crisis, in the middle of great challenges and storms, we stand before people and say, trust God. God is good. He's going to turn this thing around. He's going to work this out somehow. And we quote from Romans and we say, what? All things are working together. For the good of those who are called according to his purpose, right? And we say, how can this possibly be good? How could the disciples believe the cross was good? You see, sometimes we don't see things the way God sees things. And because we don't have his perspective, we misjudge and make mistakes about what the reality of our circumstances really are, right? And I have often defended my faith in the sovereignty of God with the very fact that God can take Satan's worst deed and turn it into a blessing. But Satan is not sovereign because he cannot take God's great deeds and turn them into evil. Think that through. Just think of that for a moment. God can take Satan's great hate Turn it into the salvation of the world. But in no way can Satan take God's love and make it into something evil. Because God is in charge. You know, when we begin to look at the scriptures and we start to realize the truth and the fact that God is good. He never lies he always keeps his promises. He is always faithful. And he is always there. When you need him, our life begins to change. Perhaps one of the most overlooked promises in all the Bible is that God is willing, ready, and able to help us in the little things every day to make our lives successful. You know, so many of us are, are today looking around and saying, what's the future look like? I can imagine the graduates, what's going through their hearts and through their minds is they hear about the economy and they hear about the, hey, let me tell you, God's bigger than the economy. 
And this is really saying something. God's bigger than America's debt. So every day, God's getting a lot bigger. <laughs> hey, but we're missing out on the real blessing. When we forget about the fact and we overlook the fact that as Christians, God has promised to help us live victoriously, to overcome our mis mistakes, to pick us up and dust us off. And to see to it that we succeed. Just follow along with me and hear these promises. The first comes from Psalms 37 verses 23 and 24. If the Lord delights in a man's way, he makes his steps firm. Though he stumble, he will not fall for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Why will our mistakes not overcome us? The Lord holds us up. With his hand. Though our hands may fail us and our legs may fail us and our plans may fail us, God's hand will never, ever fail us. Listen to the word of God in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Again in Isaiah chapter 46 verse 4, God said, Even to your old age and your gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. And in my present and personal world, that means God rescues me from myself. I don't know how many of you could sit here today and say, honestly, you're not your own worst enemy. Right? We are our own worst enemy. Right? We, we are, all, but guess what? God can save us from ourselves. He's bigger than your biggest mistakes. He's bigger than whatever you may mess up. And he's able to turn that thing around and make it turn out for your good somehow. You see, that's the great promise. So let me ask you an honest question. How many of you like it when I say that? Let me ask you an honest question. That never makes me feel very good, does it? But I want to ask you an honest question, right? Let me ask you an honest question. If you've tried great things all of your life and failed at them, Right? Are you not vastly better off than had you tried to do nothing and succeeded? Let me tell you what. I know what I'm talking about. I am my own worst enemy. From a child, from a young child, I dreamed of doing nothing. All the way up to I was 25 years old, I thought I'd be happy if I, didn't do, if I did nothing to change the world around me. You see, my life goal was to become a hermit, to be a mountain man, to live out in the wilderness and never see anybody, never help anybody, never take care of anybody but myself. I thought if I could be alone and I could just do nothing, live off the land, be up there in the mountains, do nothing in the real world to help anybody, I'd be happy. Well, if you bit off on that same dream, let me assure you of this. 
When you get to the top of that ladder, it's a very lonely place. Solitude is a beautiful thing in the moment, but not in a life reality. And you see, I discovered there that my dream wouldn't sustain me, couldn't keep me, couldn't hold me, couldn't satisfy me. And I was still longing, though I had all the things I thought would make me happy. Because you see, God did not create us to hide, to be unseen, and to do nothing. God created you and I and each and every one of us to do impossible things, unimaginable things, things we never dreamed or dared to even imagine or think of things. You may be sitting there saying, oh, God hasn't created me for that. If you're an ordinary person, if you're just an ordinary person sitting here today, you are exactly what God needs to save the world. Because when ordinary people start doing extraordinary things, the world will dare to believe in a God who lives in us. When they begin to see in us the things that God can do, then they'll come to believe in God because of you. But when they see us doing nothing and we speak of the power that is within us, they do not believe. So here comes another honest question, right? Is God's word true? Oh boy, <laughs> that was a simple question. Well, is God's word true? Yes, really. It really is true. Really. What it says really is true. God's word is true. God's word is filled with all kinds of promises of success for all who choose to live life and do church God's way. So why are we afraid? Why are we afraid when God's word is true and God's word promises success to every single one who dares to try it? Why are we afraid? Because we don't believe it's true. Why are you afraid? Because you don't believe it's true. Hey, everybody, how many of you know I'm a skydiver? I love the rapture in reverse. Think that through, rapture in reverse. <laughs> I love skydiving, but I didn't at first. I skydived because I was scared of heights, petrified of heights. I didn't like heights. So to overcome my fear, I decided I was going to become a skydiver. And I'm kind of a determined character, and I don't like to fail at anything. And skydiving, I was the worst there is or has ever been because I couldn't do it at all. I literally could not do it at all. All you have to do on your first skydive, if any of you have ever gone, you have to count to four. Arch thousand, look thousand, reach thousand, pull. I failed. <laughs> I know I'd counted to four before, but not under those circumstances. <laughs> and you see, the first time up, you can lie to yourself and convince yourself it's not going to be that bad. But from that point on, you know it's going to be worse than you thought it ever would be. <laughs> For those of you who have never been around civilian skydiving, you don't jump out of an airplane. 
you climb out while it's flying around, and then you have conversations with people while you're hanging on the outside. And then they tell you to climb out on the end of the wing on the strut and hang there so that you get a good, good release, a good straight fall. Now, how long can you hang from the wing of an airplane? <laughs> if I had a film footage of my first time, I could let you know. <laughs> Have you ever changed your mind when it's too late to turn back? I'm here to tell you now, 15 times I failed. 15 times in a row, I could not count to four. It was easy on the ground, but up there it wasn't so easy. But you know what? On the 16th time, something happened. On the 16th time, I felt myself flying and I counted to four and my days of failure were behind me and the door opening on the plane was not the most terrifying thing in the world it was the most exciting thing in my world that could happen to me no longer did I worry about falling out I would deliberately fall out all different kinds of ways <laughs> you know it never quit scaring me it was never no longer frightening, but it was suddenly really fun. Because when you break through your fear and you get to experience something beyond this world, like flying, you suddenly experience a life beyond where you're used to living, a life of faith. You see, what is it that causes people to jump out of airplanes? faith. They believe with all their heart, with all their soul, and with all their mind that that parachute is going to work. And if it doesn't, they're going to die. And they jump out anyway because they believe it's going to work. They believe in it so much that they'll bet their life on it. That's faith. And a life of faith is exciting when you get on the ground, you can't wait to go again. And you know the funny thing? The people next to you, 5,000, 6,000, 10,000 jumps. When they get on the ground and they try to repack their parachutes, their hands are going. Because you never get over being scared. You just learn to function in the face of fear. You see, Christianity is the same way. It never stops being scary. It never stops terrorizing you. But you just learn to function in the midst of your fear. People will say to me, well, you've been pastor now all these years. I guess it's just natural for you to get up there and talk. That must not even scare you anymore. You know, preaching's a lot like skydiving. At first you say it can't be that scary. But after the first time, you know it's worse. <laughs> so this brings me to a question I, I have to ask. How many of you are presently 
trying anything that only God can do through you. Wow. Think that through for a minute. How many of you, right this moment, are trying something that only God can do through you? If the answer to that is, not me, well then what's the chance that God's going to do something miraculous through you if you're not trying to do anything miraculous? Your chances are zero. You see around skydiving places, there's lots of people. They like to hang out there in the environment of all these crazy people. And they wear skydiving t-shirts and skydiving stuff. And they talk skydiving terms. But you never see them go skydiving. They just like being around it and hearing about it and seeing other people do it, but they don't want any part of it. The, the falling part. So they stay on the ground where it's safe. You see, they look like skydivers. They sound like skydivers. But they're not. Because skydivers get in the plane. And they try something that the world has thought forever is impossible. And they discover that they may not have wings, but they can fly. And around skydiving place, you'll see this one sign. You know why the birds sing? Because they too can fly. You know, a lot of people act like Christians, dress like Christians, look like Christians, but they never get out of the boat. You see, you're not a skydiver till you jump. You're not really living the Christian life until you jump. Till you say, God, if you don't catch me, I am dead. That's exactly what I said right before I came down here. To Phoenix City, Alabama. This is as far from a mountaintop as I have ever been. <laughs> God, I'm pulling up my family. We're going to a new school system. We're going to have to sell a house. We're going to have to buy a new house. Phoenix City, Alabama. If you don't catch me, Lord, I'm dead. He not only caught me, I've been flying ever since I took that step. I haven't hit the ground yet. Because I am blessed. Because I dared to believe God and take him at his word. When he said, Brother Mr. I'm going to make you pastor at Lakewood Baptist Church in Phoenix City. I said, you're out of your mind. <laughs> that ain't never going to happen. How are you going to get that done? They got a vote. That means they're going to have to meet me. He says, I know that's why I gave you the wife I did. <laughs> hey, everybody. Years ago, I decided to go all in for Jesus. I decided I'm going to believe him. I'm going to take him at his word. 
I'm going to see if there's anything to this Christian world. Within a week of that decision, I had taken down all my hate signs that plastered my driveway for seven miles to my house. I'd cut off my long hair. I'd quit wearing vulgar t-shirts and my grandfather's confederate hat. And people said, well, he's had a change of attitude. No, I had a change of heart. You see, God promised me a change of heart. And you know what? God keeps his promises. So let me ask you one more time. How many of you are presently trying anything that only God can do through you? That's called Christianity, everybody. Try it. You might like it. Try it and discover something. God keeps his promises. God will see you through. You see, so what if you make mistakes? So what if you try something and it doesn't work out? So what if you try this or you try that? And that, that does, doesn't happen. So get back up and try again. What if, they, what if you do? Get up and try again. Hey, let me tell you, you do not drown from falling in the water. You drown because you choose to stay there. Get up and get out of it. You don't fail because you make mistakes. You fail because after a mistake, you quit trying. And you stay there. Let me tell you, successful people are just people who decided to get up and give it one more try. Can I dare to ask you today to give Christianity a try? Try something impossible for God. Let me close this day with the reading of God's Word and the promises there within found in Isaiah chapter 43, starting in verse 1. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not. I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be there with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. I am your Savior. If God is for you, how can you fail? If God is with us, how can we fail? If we dare to overcome our fear and live life and do church God's way, we cannot fail. The only hope the devil has is that we'll give up right before we win the war. That's his only hope. I'm an American, and I've learned something from American history that we as a church need to learn from the Vietnam War. Thousands of American men and women 
struggled and suffered there. The North Vietnamese had determined they were defeated. Their last gasp was a Tet Offensive. If it failed, they would surrender. They launched a Tet Offensive. Our military forces repelled them and destroyed them. They requested a meeting with the United States so they could surrender. And to their dismay, we surrendered. We gave them the victory. The victory we had won. Friends, Jesus has won the war. Don't surrender your victory. Your victory is secure. Christ has won the war. Let us not surrender to fear. But fear not, be not afraid. For our God is good. Will you pray with me? Dear Lord, as we pause in this moment, as we stop and we open our hearts before you, we're afraid, but we want to know a life beyond our own. We want to attempt and succeed at things that only you can do in us, that the world will see in us the power of God at work in our lives. <laughs> Open our hearts, Lord, to have the faith and confidence, the courage it takes to be strong and to stand the tests of time, to experience you at work in our lives. God, I pray that if in our midst is one, just one, that doesn't know you as the Lord and Savior, who has grown weary of being defeated, and today they want to win, they want a victory, they want you on their side, that this would be the day they come to know you as their Lord and Savior, that they open their hearts, they ask you into their lives, and experience the power of being God's friend. And for those of us who do know you and come before you this day, God, we look like Christians, we sound like Christians, but we're not living like Christians. We're not living the victorious life that you've called us to. We're not trying to do anything impossible. God, sear us. See our hearts, cut our hearts to realize that that's what we need to be. Give us the strength and the courage to be all you'd have us be. In Jesus' name, amen. As we stand for our hymn of invitation, may I ask you this day, if God's speaking to you, this, this altar's open, you don't have to pray with me, won't you come? If, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've never accepted him as your Lord and Savior, but you'd like to, won't you come and let me share with you what the Bible says you need to do to be saved? Hey, my friends, this promise is true. It's yours. Don't turn away. If God's speaking, you don't hesitate. Won't you come? Lord, I give you my heart, give you my soul. I Live.
I give you my soul. I live for you. Just a couple quick announcements for you. We're going to go very quickly through these since we're a little bit over time. Uh, we want to make sure that you're aware that you can go to the Lakewoods website, that's lbcpc.org, and sign up your kids, your uh, two-year-olds through sixth grade, for VBS. There's a register here section on the website. Please go and do that. That'll be the best way to let Patrick know that your students are coming, okay, that your children are coming to VBS, so please do that. Next thing we want to mention is there's finance reports available. They're available in the front sanctuary lobby as well as down in the elevator lobby on the bottom floor. Please make sure to go by and grab one of those. Um, next, we have the missions offering board. Again, if you have not seen the missions offering board, it's in the south building here. If you go across the uh, walkway up top here, you'll see it. It's a bright and shiny board. You can't miss it. It's got envelopes all over it. Again, inside of each envelope is a missions bracelet, either a leather bracelet or a black, black stretchy bracelet, uh, to remind you to pray for Belize. And also in there is a prayer card. It has the names of all the team members as well as specific needs that you can pray for. And we desperately need you to pray because now we're three weeks away. Just three weeks from today, we'll be leaving, okay? So please uh, go by and check that out. Uh, the next thing we have is the bus trip to Yoder's, and that's on May the 21st. You're leaving at 9. Everyone's welcome. Doesn't matter what age you are. And I hear you're going to stop by and pick up some strawberries too, so make sure that we know that you're coming to that. And then Patrick wants you to know that uh, they're starting back their Wet Wednesdays. That starts this Wednesday night. What is Wet Wednesday? Awana is coming to an end. They have a, a closing kind of ceremony tonight. And so on Wednesday night, they're going to take your children, again, same age group, uh, up to sixth grade, they're going to take them to go swimming on Wednesday nights, kind of have a uh, fellowship time. So again, that starts this Wednesday, okay? And then we want to let you know if you're a student, and this is actually open to anyone in the church. We've had several of our adults come out and go with us. You're welcome to come feed the homeless with us. We go the last Saturday of every month unless it falls on a holiday. So we'll be going feeding the homeless next uh, Saturday from about 11, 11.15 to 2 p.m. It doesn't cost you anything except your time to come and serve. You don't need to bring anything except lunch money. After we go and feed them, we usually go eat ourselves, and we're back here at the church by 2. And then finally, baby dedication is coming. Uh, on Father's Day is when we're going to do it, but we need to know in advance. So if you have a child that you want to dedicate to the Lord or a grandchild, then please get that information to Patrick or to the church office so that we make sure that we're prepared for that. All right? Thank you for all helping me honor our graduates. Uh, again, graduates, our parents of graduates, we're going out to eat for a graduation luncheon uh, right after the service here this morning. And so if you need details on that, please come to see me. A WANA program is tonight. That's right, I'm getting, getting pointed at from the back. All right, so again, come back tonight to help celebrate Awana and uh, their accomplishments of the verses that they've learned this year. 
All right, I hope you have a wonderful Sunday, and we'll see you later on.